It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you could do me a favor, and you could go to the iTunes page, you could leave a review, you could rate the podcast, and in that review, you could put your name and your Twitter handle, and if you do that, You will be entered into our Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway, where every week we pick a winner to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription, a $39.99 value in it. Fantasy football projections, rankings, tools, charts, NFL draft coverage, player grades, snap counts, position ranks, and all sorts of data that can help you win at fantasy and can help you win at the bar stool. It is Thursday of Vikings Week. It is a noon game on Sunday. Green Bay travels to Minnesota to play the Minnesota Vikings, of course. And with us to talk about that is ESPN's Kevin Seifert. He's covered the Vikings for a long time. Then he covered the NFC North for ESPN, and now he he covers the NFL as a whole. And he's going to help us get a little deeper on the Minnesota Vikings, the Green Bay Packers, and how they match up with one another. We're going to start the show the way that I need to start every show now, it seems like, with an injury report. Jordy Nelson was a full go at practice on Wednesday. We now know what his injury was. It was a back injury. We don't know the specifics of it, but he said he's going to practice all week and he's going to play on Sunday. So for now, no cause for concern. Ty Montgomery also a full go on Wednesday. What his snap count is like versus Aaron Jones, we'll see. 
I think the Packers would be smart to let Ty Montgomery rest. But if he's ready to play, I said this last week, if he's ready to play, let him play. The ribs are going to need a couple weeks to fully heal. If you're Green Bay, you'd much rather let him get healthy, especially with Aaron Jones running the way that he is. There's no reason to rush it. No reason to force things. The one thing of concern, Morgan Burnett, who left the Cowboys game, and Kevin King, who left the Cowboys game, both didn't practice on Wednesday. King has the concussion still, and, and Burnett is dealing with a hamstring issue. Devon House was a limited participant, and I think Green Bay would like to see, obviously they'd like to see their whole cornerback group to be healthy. One of those two guys needs to play. And one of the reasons is Minnesota's receiving core is much better than I think it gets credit for. Talked about it with Paul Allen yesterday. Adam Thielen torched the Packers at Lambeau last year, and Stephon Diggs torched them at U.S. Bank Stadium. So this is a problem. And Kevin King, I know he's not the ideal size and and physical profile to match up with someone like Stephon Diggs, who is smaller, who is quick, who is lightning fast in and out of his cuts. But length can, can negate some of those advantages at times. We see Richard Sherman, and obviously Kevin King has a long way to go before being Richard Sherman. But those length advantages, the reason they're such an advantage is because you don't have to have the same kind of foot quickness because the length can negate a half a step, let's say. And Thielen, you just want a good corner matched up against Adam Thielen. He's a really high-quality receiver. He's never going to be an ultra-elite guy. But the Packers have to account for him, and they couldn't cover him last year at Lambeau. I understand it's Case Keenum and or Sam Bradford, but in that game that the Packers won by two touchdowns, Sam Bradford threw the ball for over 300 yards. Minnesota was able to score points. And I know the defense played better in the first matchup at at, uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, but this offense can score. We saw it against Tampa Bay when they lit the Buccaneers up. And I know they, they struggled to score 20 against a beat-up Bears team. They struggled to score anything against Detroit. I'm interested to see how this defense looks. Morgan Burnett not being able to play would not be a killer. But I think Kevin King not being able to play would be a much bigger deal, given, given what it would mean for the trickle-down effect. We've talked about this all week. we talked about it really all season. What you don't want is Quentin Rollins playing corner. You don't want him playing. He's the new Jarrett Bush. He even has the right number, 24. And what I'd, what I'd be interested to see is if Green Bay would say, look, we want Demarius Randall playing in the slot. What we don't want is Quentin Rollins playing in the slot. So if King and, and House both can't go, what we're going to do is play Randall and, and Hawkins outside and put Morgan Burnett in the slot if he can go. If Burnett can't go, then then there's a whole set of issues. But if, if only one can go, if let's say only Devon House can go, and he was a limited participant in practice, he's dealing with a soft tissue injury in, in the quad, he had cramps, which can which can sometimes compound issues like that. If House can go, I'll be interested to see what they do opposite him. Do they put Hawkins out there and then move Randall in in nickel and, and in multiple corner situations? Or do they put House and Randall out there as boundary corners and if they have to go to nickel, they use Hawkins instead of Rollins? Rollins, I will say, played decent against the Cowboys outside of the touchdown that he gave up. He made some nice plays in the run game, was a sure tackler, played a little bit more confidently than we've seen him play over the course of the season. 
Was that enough to get him playing time moving forward? We'll see. One more injury situation that we need to discuss before we get into Kevin Seifert is Brian Bulaga and David Bakhtiari were both limited at practice. Bulaga obviously made it through the game with his ankle. We haven't seen David Bakhtiari since week one. It would be crucial against the Vikings who have Everson Griffin, Daniel Hunter, Brian Robeson. These guys can get after the quarterback. Now, they're only 13th in, in adjusted sack rate at this point. They haven't been as effective we talked about it with, with uh, Paul Allen, and we're going to get into it a little bit with Kevin Seaver, that the advanced metrics right now with Minnesota don't quite match up with what we know about their personnel and don't quite match up with the eye test. They look better than the numbers say they are. And so, I, you know, I'm going to ask Kevin why that is, because it's an interesting, it's an interesting conundrum when you have advanced metrics that, that say one thing and your eyes tell you something else. I think, I think sometimes we rely too much on the numbers to tell us things. And sometimes there are certain people, I would say, who rely too much on the eyes. Bill Parcells was famous for saying, you are what your record says you are. I tend to believe that you are what your advanced metrics say you are. I think this is a case with Minnesota that they're going to regress to the mean, which is to say they're going to get better. The opponent offensive numbers will get smaller. And so when I say regression, what I mean is is not they'll get worse, they'll actually get better and move closer to their mean, their average, which is very, very good. If you're a Packers fan, what you don't want is to have that regression start this week. Before we get to Gavin Seifert, I want to remind you about mybookie.ag. There's a lot of options when it comes to placing bets. Green Bay is a three and a half point favorite in this game. And that, that makes me a little nervous, if I'm being honest. Three and a half point favorite on the road. I understand they're they're probably one of the two or three best teams in the NFC. We'll find out a lot about the best teams in the NFC tonight when Philadelphia and Carolina play on Thursday night. But I think this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a really good game. And you can bet in the game live on their mobile site with mybookie.ag. If you use the promo code LOCKDOWN, you can get up to a 100% deposit bonus, which means you get money for doing nothing. They've been in business for years. Their rep is rock solid and they do cash bonuses. What else do you want? They've got fast payouts, in-game betting, mobile site. You can do everything from your couch. It's no different than betting in a casino, but you can do it from your phone. Go to mybookie.ag to place your bets and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 100% deposit bonus. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. All right, let's get to Kevin Seifert. You can follow him on Twitter at Seifert ESPN. You can find his writing on ESPN.com. He covers the NFL uh, nationally now after after a long time covering the NFC North. He's still based in Minnesota, so he's still hooked in with what's going on with the Vikings. So let's bring in Kevin Seifert from ESPN. Kevin, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. Hey, thanks for having me, Peter. So I want to start with this. Uh, I had Paul Allen on the show yesterday, and he bristled a little bit at this this idea that that the Vikings defense was somehow not, you know, a top three or four unit because football outsiders, by their DVOA metrics, they're not. Yeah. In fact, they're a bottom half defense. And I tend to think he's right. 
So what are we missing here? Well, I mean, they give up yards um, at times, but and they and they tend they probably I assume part of the DV, the football outsiders deal is third downs and, and that sort of thing. There there has been some some quote unquote clutch plays where they have not always done well, but uh, they have um, there's two real strengths of, of to me of what they have. They have a definite front four push. I mean they don't they do blitz sometimes, but they don't have to blitz to get to get pressure. Whether it's Everson Griffin or, or Danielle Hunter, um, or even Linval Joseph in the middle, and they have uh, a pretty good uh, situation in the in the defensive backfield where they have Xavier Rhodes uh, really at the top of his game and arguably one of the top two or three cover guys um, in the league right now that they can uh, assign to a, a top receiver and just have him not shut him down. You're not going to shut a Julio Jones down or a you know. An, Odell Beckham Jr. down entirely, but uh, to not have to come up with an exotic overreach in order to cover those guys is a huge benefit to them. So, you know, whether they're top five or top 10, I think that they are the strength of the team and what the whole franchise is built around is is minimizing points scored against. Um, and and so, I, you know, I, I never get into too much uh, – worry about whether a team is ranked number three or five or, or 10. I don't know sure. if they're the best, um, but I think that they, they play better than average for sure. Have you been surprised at how well Case Keenum has played? I mean, obviously he took down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think he played better against Detroit than, than the numbers indicate. And, and in relief, uh, Monday night, he played pretty well too. Yes. I mean, my impression from him of him over the years has been a guy who at times um, is a real competitor and, and can throw a decent deep ball and has uh, not totally imploded in some pretty bad situations in Houston and with the Rams, but not a guy who over the course of multiple games could um, you know put up the kind of numbers that he has. And remember, this was not an offense that anybody thought was going to be explosive or uh, thought that was going to be anything other than send around Dalvin Cook, uh, the, the rookie running back. And so I, I mean, he's been probably the surprise of their team this year in terms of how well he's played, especially the other night uh, on the road on a Monday night game, getting thrown into the middle um, of, of that situation. Uh, he might be the best um, free agent quarterback signing of the offseason to the extent that there's a list of those. Um and so I, yeah, and that's to me why they were uh, not in a hurry to get Sam Bradford back, but certainly not in a hurry to let Sam sit back and get to exactly fully 100% either. Uh, I'm not sure if they thought Case Keenum could be a guy that over the course of more than a, a game or two could could perform at this level. Yeah, and switching gears a little bit to Green Bay, they're, they're four and one through five weeks. But am I wrong to think that that – the only real takeaways so far have been sort of the macro takeaway that it's been impressive that they've won these games despite the injuries, because it seems like, you know, even against Dallas, they're, they're having to rotate corners because of injuries. Devon house is in and out of the lineup. They still don't have their offensive line. Like, I don't know how much we can really glean from this other than to say Aaron Rodgers is still a wizard. 
which I feel like has been the uh, the overarching observation of the Packers for like most of Aaron Rodgers' career. There, right? I mean, it's always there's always this, you know, injury issue that that especially defensively um, that you're just you know, you're, you're you're stunned that these this number of people can go down in the short period of time, and sometimes it's been on offense too. Um, and we're all figure trying to figure out would they have won any games without Aaron Rodgers? Would they have won three games? Would they have five? You know, how many is this? This is the actual demonstration of wins over replacement. You know, um, uh, as they have in baseball, that that uh, that yeah. that show you what what's having a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers can do for an otherwise potentially destitute team. Um, you know, I, so I, to me, it's been business as usual watching the Packers. I feel I can't remember many times um, when they have not either have been trying to work out of this massive deficit that was caused by injuries, uh, where they you know, where they started off uh, poorly or or had a midseason slump because of them, or that they're just somehow finding ways uh, to, to navigate it uh, from the start. And so, this is to me a typical Packers year with Aaron Rodgers. You know that they haven't. Fortunately for them, they haven't put themselves in a hole as they've dealt with this. But you certainly look forward, look ahead to the rest of the year and wonder how long that can be uh, managed. I was saying earlier this week that I thought that this was Mike McCarthy's best coaching job probably since they went to the Super Bowl. Just given the the injuries and the creative ways that uh, he's basically been forced to engage with the offensive scheme, do you think he gets enough credit for this is sort of a leading question I know but I guess my point is I don't think he gets enough credit for the work that he's done and what he's capable of doing and and I don't know why that is and maybe it is just everyone thinks it's all Aaron Rodgers yeah I think that's the big thing I think you know honestly you know sometimes when he does interviews he comes off as kind of defensive and not you know not really in one-on-one interviews but when he, when people see him in a in a press conference situation they form an opinion of him that I don't think is the full picture of him and uh, the, the complexity and sophistication that he has in terms of developing schemes calling plays uh, running the program uh, all those sort of things. Um, and, but the, I, I think to me, like the biggest thing of why McCarthy doesn't get enough credit or doesn't get, um, uh, you know, gets criticized so much by Packers players is that coaches almost never gain in popularity over the course of their tenure. Like, like it's always like the top of their popularity. <laughs> right. If you had a, a graph, it goes straight down from the day they are hired. I mean, that's right. never, there's never a time when people are more excited about a head coach than, before he has a record, but I think you know I don't it's know like how a much car value. As soon as yeah, you drive as soon as you the drive lot. off the lot, you've lost uh, ten thousand dollars off the off the uh, uh, the price. Well, I guess it depends what kind of car you're buying. Maybe not uh, ten thousand, but anyway. Um, so I, I I think whenever I don't know how long much longer he's going to go. He's still a young guy, you know. But I think whenever he is done, and you look back at at, at just the the. The, the period of time that he's uh, been the Packers quarterback and may, I mean, excuse me, the Packers coach. And obviously it's, it'll go concurrent with Bill Belichick uh, for a large part in terms of comparing it all time. But you know, look back and look at, at this as one of the most um, impressive coaching runs in the history of the league. You know, there hasn't, he's already way past the shelf life of most even really good coaches um, in terms of how long they stay with one franchise uh, much longer than Lombardi was with the Packers. Um, 
already. Not as many Super Bowl titles, obviously, but still. There uh, is already a street named after him in Green Bay. Yeah, he's already got a street. Uh, you know, you're going to, I mean, you're going to, when the, when it's time to write about Mike McCarthy's full career, you're going to have a hard time of finding too many other similar situations throughout the history of the league, especially in an era where coaches get, you know, two years, maybe three um, tops before they need to be considered consistent winners before they can go on beyond that. I think that the Patriots, and I've said this before, I think the Patriots have spoiled a lot of NFL fans because they just expect to win the Super Bowl or go to the Super Bowl every other year like New England does. And that's just that's just like not a thing and never in the history of football. It's always been an outlier. Yeah. So it's weird that Packer fans are, I would say, among the, the most spoiled not necessarily even in a bad way. Like yeah. they went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. You well, can't yeah, blame them right. for. I mean, you you look at, especially like from a Minnesota perspective, as we're talking about, you know, just living in Minnesota and knowing, seeing how many different swings they've taken at the quarterback situation. And so you'll go, you know, and obviously people here pay a lot of attention to the Packers. Uh, but basically, if you're if, from the Packers perspective, they'll go from 1992, which was Brett Favre's first year playing there, to uh, what, 2000, when's Aaron Rodgers going to retire, you know, in five, say five more years. So two, from 1992 to 2022, 30 years uh, consecutively with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, I mean, that, that, you know, in terms of, in terms of Packers expectations and the expectations of an entire multiple, probably multiple generations, it's, it's beyond uh, conceivable for probably 29 other fan bases. And so I, I, I'm sure Packers fans know that intuitively that they've had a great quarterback for a long time. But to think of how long that span will go and look at every other franchise um, in the in the league, including the Patriots. I mean, Tom Brady only got got to – became a starter nine years after Favre did. Um, that, uh, it just, just a tremendous, tremendous level of uh, – or high – I guess high floor – you know, for what they could achieve. I mean, you would never, no team with, with Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback could ever be expected to not at least make the playoffs. And uh, there are Packer fans old enough to rent a car who have never not seen a hall of fame quarterback play for the green Bay Packers. Like, yeah. That is pretty incredible. Right. Right. And so, I mean, just, yeah, you know, and just like to think for, for any other franchise to even, I mean, they're, even though even the really well run ones who have had good quarterbacks for a long time, you know, even look at the 49ers. I mean, the span they had Montana to Steve Young is not even going to be was not even close to 30 years. It's just it's just an incredible um, platform that 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 Packers fans have been treated to. Um, not to say that that means they should all be happy with whatever they get. Uh, but I can just say for, with perspective from outside of that bubble that um Man, what a what a what a fortunate treat that they've been given over a long period of time. Elvis Gerbach is so mad at you right now. <laughs> yeah, there is there is that <laughs> he uh, one of many. So the this game in in particular, the the Vikings have have sort of built their team in a way that is is perfectly aligned with what what you need to beat Green Bay. They can rush with four. You mentioned that they don't blitz a lot. They can man you up on the outside, and they can they can put pressure on you. And then on the other side, even without Dalvin Cook, we saw on Monday against the Bears, they can run the ball a little bit. And then they have two receivers at least, plus a tight end, who can beat you. 
I know that Green Bay is three and a half point favorites on the road in this game, and I know that there's a high from from watching Aaron Rodgers be Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. But yeah. this this is going to be a close game, and this Vikings team they match up really well with what Green Bay is is both good and bad at. Yeah, and we've seen times when Mike Zimmer had the defense here humming that that he's had some success against Aaron Rodgers, um, whether it's yeah. been, and not just here, but also in Cincinnati. So it's. He, I mean, at the very least, he's a reminder that it's not a completely um, uh, hopeless case when you're set out to try to minimize the damage that Aaron Rodgers can do. I would wonder, even with the Packers' defensive issues, uh, I, I, I am not convinced that the Vikings' uh, r- run success the other night um, was anything more than a, a really injury-depleted Bears' um, defense and – uh, a couple of missed assignments and then a big long run from Jarek McKinnon. I have never seen Jarek McKinnon anywhere close to the type of hard running and uh, open field moves yeah. that we saw the other day. That was not to say he's not capable of it, but it was an aberration for sure in terms of the way he usually performs. And prior to that, Latavius Murray had had a, some decent runs. So I, I don't know the extent to which um, they're going to be able to run against the Packers. Uh, even if you look at Dalvin Cook's numbers, there was a pretty high percentage of, uh, run, of of rushing yards he was getting after first contact. So a lot of that, a lot of their initial rushing success, uh, I think, could be contribute or attributed to Dalvin Cook's really unique and and impressive running style. And so something that could be considered. And then if you can't run, you know, are we going to keep expecting the the Case Keenum uh, miracle performance or uh, assuming he's the starter and Sam Bradford is not, which they haven't ruled him out yet, but it would be a surprise if after leaving with a re-injured knee on a Monday night, he could be ready on Sunday on a short week. So we'll see. Um, I think defensively they do have some, some things going for them against the Packers, but they will still need to score um, and score, you know, more than a, than a couple touchdowns probably to win this game. And uh, we will see if they're able to do that. Yeah, you mentioned the success that that Mike Zimmer's defense has had against Green Bay. Not not at Lambeau last year, but at U.S. Bank Stadium, Rodgers at the you know completion percentage under fifty six percent in that game, two hundred twelve yards, and the game ceiling interception on a on a drive where he had the ball with a chance to to go at least tie the game. So mm-hmm. we we've seen it recently where this Minnesota defense can can really give the Packers offense some problems. I, I was joking. I think that the was other Trey Waynes that... too, wasn't it? I mean, that wasn't even yep. Xavier Rhodes. Mm-hmm. It was Trey Waynes who often gets picked on um, because teams would much rather go his way as than Xavier Rhodes. Understandably so. Xavier Rhodes is a very good corner. Yeah. But I, I was joking the other day that Jarek McKinnon's most famous play for Packers fans was a couple of years ago, Julius Peppers picks off Christian Ponder and returns it to the house and puts distance between himself and Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, yeah. Like as McKinnon is chasing him and you're just going, holy crap, Julius Peppers is a freak. And you look at this year, he's still he's still producing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you talking about Julius Peppers still producing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's amazing. He's, he's uh, I mean, the genetics uh, or the, yeah, there's some, you know, the, the holy grail that he has found in terms of performing at a high level um, at yeah. his age is, is pretty Scientists incredible. need to study him. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, so uh, uh, I can't get you out of here without getting a prediction for, for Sunday. Yeah, I, you know, having 
watch that game closely Monday night and uh, and then seeing what the quarterback situation is. I, I'm inclined to pick the Packers. Um, you know, I have to turn in my picks by Thursday, so I reserve the right to change my mind before then. But as we're talking now, sure, um, I, I I think the Packers are. You know, again, they have a tough. You know, it's tough to go from Dallas to home and then then to Minnesota, and um, I I think that they're in a pretty good position, and and I don't know. Um, you know, I, I just think that the Vikings have a lot of challenges that they're trying to deal with, and I don't. Uh, maybe they can patch it together for one more game, but I, I think they're going to have trouble offensively. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think this is. I, I'm not as sure as you are that this is going to be a high scoring game, though, just because. I yeah, think and I don't know high Vikings scoring, but like, there's really good. Yeah, there's been games. Uh, I mean, just thinking back a couple of weeks ago, Detroit. Um, I mean, the Vikings couldn't get more than seven points against Detroit. And so like, right. that's like, they're going to need, they're going to need to score maybe not 30 points, but they need to score more than a couple touchdowns, I think to win. Sure. Yeah. I think, I, I think whoever wins is going to certainly have to score more than like 21, 24 yeah. points to win. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. But I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a good game as, yeah. as the Packers Vikings games usually are. Yeah, no doubt. It'll, uh, and then potentially it, 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 one of the things that's always been talked about here in Minnesota is obviously with the Super Bowl here, what, what the Packers, what would it be like in this town if the Packers were the ones who ended up representing the Oof. NFC in the Super Bowl in Minnesota? So we will get a preview of that possibility this weekend. That's just got to hurt the hearts of Vikings fans. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, the interesting thing is I found living here for a while is how many Packers fans actually uh, live here. You know, before the Vikings were founded in 1960 or 61 or whatever, this was a Packers area. You know, there was no pro football team here. So there's a lot right. of families and generations of people who have passed down the Packer allegiance that are native Minnesotans, never lived in Wisconsin uh, or anything, um, but are tried and true Packers fans and, and wouldn't change. And so it's, oh, I've always found that interesting and something that people outside of the area probably don't realize. My mom was raised in Minnesota as a Packers fan. My grandparents were Packers there fans. There you go. So yeah, you knew. I, yeah. I am well-versed with the Minnesota Packer fans. My grandma still, after after a win on Monday, she has a Packers flag that she puts out <laughs> on her front stoop yeah. just to just to sort of troll the, her her Viking fan neighbors. Very I'm much like, in, her, in her rights. Yeah, great. exactly. <laughs> All right, Kevin, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Peter. I want to thank Kevin for joining the program. Always great to get his insight. And what a week we had. Ryan Wood on Tuesday for Expert Tuesday. Paul Allen on Wednesday, the voice of the Minnesota Vikings for Opponent Wednesday. And now Kevin Seifert for the Thursday show. I hope you'd enjoyed it as much as I did. Remember, Acme Packing Company for more Packers coverage. You can go to Locked On Packers for this podcast and much more with FanRag NFL. Always do that and go to the iTunes page for this podcast. Leave a review. Leave your name and your Twitter handle in the review and you could win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. And one more reminder that this Thursday edition of Locked on Packers was brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Get into all the action with MyBookie.ag where they will match your deposit up to 100% when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. The game is Sunday, noon central, 1 eastern. Green Bay is the three-and-a-half-point favorite. This game makes me a little bit nervous because the Minnesota defense always seems to play Green Bay tough. But I really like the way this Packers offense has looked over the last few weeks. And I think the defense is getting better. Usually within the first six weeks, they have a statement game where they dismantle an opponent just when they've been written off. You could say that was the Thursday night game against the Bears, but this is Mike Brennan, let's be honest. Could this be one of those games? It's been the Vikings before, a couple times, in fact. 
where they just said, we're going to dismantle this team. Now, on the road, I have a hard time seeing that. I think this is going to be a close, hard-fought game. I said the three and a half makes me nervous, but I think it's I think it's Green Bay by a touchdown. I think it's something like 24-17, 27-20, something like that. I think Green Bay wins. I think they go to 5-1. and one. And they face a tough matchup against the New Orleans Saints the following week. But we'll see. We're going to learn a lot more about this team as they get closer to full strength. And if they're ever full strength, God, God only knows. And in order to find out, you know what you have to do? You have to stay locked on Packers. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.